How many have found the book of Job a little bit interesting? How many took up my challenge and actually last week um, read the first and second chapters of Job? And you're still here? That's amazing. You came back. Today we're titling this message, Now and Later. Several years ago, Cheryl, my wife, and I were pretty serious about a certain exercise program. We were also trying to eat right. We were exercising. We were getting in great shape. Uh, We lost weight. We toned up. Actually, we were feeling better than we had physically in a long, long time. But slowly, things started creeping in. Slowly, things started getting in the way. About that time, Austin decided to play basketball, so if we weren't running him to basketball practice, we were actually watching the games. Not only that, but little by little, different things just popped up out of the blue that kept us from exercising. And before long, we looked around, and we haven't exercised in a month. And my shirts, for some reason, started shrinking around the midsection. I think probably detergent had something to do with that. Amen? (laughs) They started shrinking. I didn't know what was going on, so I did what most of us would do, look for somebody else to blame. Amen? I mean, I started blaming Cheryl because she was making these amazing dinners. Too big of dinners, too good of dinners. I started blaming my mother-in-law, who lived with us at the time, who was always making desserts. Always, always, always making desserts. And we live in America, where we don't have to take any blame on ourselves, right? I mean, we can sue anybody we want to, anytime we want to, amen? But after really coming to my senses, I realized, hey, wait a minute. I can't blame anybody but myself. These were my choices. These were my decisions. These were my mistakes. And as a minister, being in ministry for several years, I have heard a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, and I would say that most of our pain actually comes from the choices and decisions that we've made. Amen? Most of our pain in life. I know things have happened. I know things have been done to you. But most of the time, the things in our lives that are going wrong are due most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, to decisions we've made on our own. So today we've given you a now and later piece of candy. And everybody get their now and later piece of candy. Don't eat it now, okay? Save it for later, okay? Don't stick it to the bottom of your seat and don't give me the dental bill when it pulls out your fillings, amen? Well, we've got a now and later piece of candy to help remind you of this message I'm preaching today. But you're probably thinking, what does a now and later have to do with the book of Job? Well, when it came to the extra weight that I was putting on, I couldn't do anything about the then because I was going for the second and third helping. I was going for the second and third dessert. I couldn't do anything about the past, but after finally taking responsibility, and that's a big part, finally after taking responsibility, I decided starting right now that I could have a better later. Starting right now with the decisions I make, I can have a better later coming up in the future. Everything that I do right now, everything that you do, everything we do is going to affect our later. I could stand up here and I could make excuses or I could make a decision that I'm going to make a difference in this world. Let me just tell you, God did not call any of us to be an excuse maker, to make excuses. He called us to make a difference in this world where we live. I think our biggest problem is, though, we are always trying to make excuses for how we are. 
It's kind of like my parents didn't potty train me at the right age. My parents uh, painted my room with lead-based paint. The reason I'm the way I am is my parents went through a divorce and it was so hard. Let me just say, I know those things are hard. But it's time for many of us to stop playing the victim. Stop living in the then. Stop living today in your then. Stop living today in your past and decide right now, I'm going to have a better later. I'm going to have a better future. It'll make all the difference in your world. In Job 42, verse 12, this is the uh, uh, scripture we started with last week as we started this series. It says, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first part. I said last week, I want that for me. I want God to bless the latter part of my life more than he blessed the first part. And I'm not selfish. I don't want that just for me. I want that for you. I want that for every one of us. And bigger than that, God wants that for every one of us. He wants our later to be better than our now. He wants our later to be better than our past. God wants that for you and I. This week, our key thought, last week we talked about holding on, never giving up, never quitting. This week, our key thought is actually refusing to make excuses for how we are and making a decision to make a difference. Stop making excuses and make a decision to start making a difference with your life. If you know anything about Jesus and the stories he told or the parables uh, he told, he told a lot of stories. He told a lot of parables, and they weren't just story stories. They were true stories, amen, um, to, to bring out his example. But in Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus is speaking on the Mount of Olives, and he's talking about the end of days, the end of times. Listen to what he says about the end of times. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. That's a key point to keep in mind. We are his servants. He's not our servant, Okay. We are his servant, he's not our servant, and he entrusted his wealth to them. Let me just stop here. Everything you own, whether you think you own it or not, you do not own it. I do not own it. God owns it. Amen? How many of you have ever had your teenager maybe smart off to you a little bit and say, hey, get out of my room? It's like, I beg your pardon? (laughs) Son, I could paint this room with pink polka dots if I wanted to because it's not your room, it's my room and it's my house. But in the bigger picture, none of us can say that because God owns it. God owns it all. It all belongs to God. Uh, Verse 15, this master says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So did God bless everyone in this story with the same blessing? Did he? No. He blessed one with five. He blessed one with two. He blessed one with one. Some say, well, that's not fair. Well, let me just tell you, a fair is a place you go to ride rides. Amen? Because when it comes to fair, we don't want God to be fair. Because if God was fair, we would deserve to die for our sins and go to hell for eternity. When it comes to fair, and on that level, we don't want God to be fair. We want God to be merciful, which He is. They may not have been blessed all the same, but each person was blessed. Then it says, then he, the master, went on his journey. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. And notice the exclamation point on the end. 
This master is excited. I'll say this is the high-five, fist-bumping Jesus right there, okay? Jesus is excited because he has blessed someone, and they didn't waste the blessing. It says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's quite an invitation right there, right? Come and share in your master's joy, your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Another fist bump, high-fiving Jesus there. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Let me just stop here and say I believe this guy was an excuse maker. I don't see anywhere in this story that it gives us any inclination that this master was a hard man. In fact, I would say the opposite. I'd say he was a very generous man, and you'll find out more about that in a minute. But this guy was an excuse maker. He was also lazy. Listen to what it says. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, and he didn't get the same reply as the other two. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Notice the exclamation point again. As happy as he was about the first two guys that were blessed and used it wisely, he's equally as angry with those that this one that wasted his life. He didn't say, oh, come on over here. Give, give me a hug. He didn't say that. He didn't say, we need to get you on an episode of Dr. Phil so we can figure out what went wrong in your past. He didn't say that either. He said, here's your problem, bro. You're wicked. Here's your problem, bro. You're lazy. He said, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. He's saying, okay, you're saying I'm that kind of guy? Then look at verse 27. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. There were some serious consequences for this guy that wasted his blessing, this guy that buried uh, his blessing. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to bring out three, hopefully pretty simple points today about this text. Number one, God is good. You realize that no matter what you're going through, you need to start looking at the fact that God is good. And when it comes to reading the book of Job, don't get hung up on chapters 1 and 2 and get bogged down there where you're overwhelmed. But instead, you need to realize that, hey, wait a minute, Job made it all the way to the end of the book. Job made it to chapter 42 where he was blessed more in the second half of his life than he was in the first part. Let's just say you're at home. If somebody knocks on your door and offers you this amazing gift, first of all, your thought is, wait a minute, what's the catch, right? And if it's a big gift, you're probably thinking, wow, I could use that money or whatever it is, but what's the catch? Let's just say somebody walks up to your doorstep, has a briefcase in their hand, knocks on your door, hands you a briefcase that has $1.8 million in it, and all they say is, don't waste this, just use it wisely. And why am I saying $1.8 million? Because I'm trying to put this in modern-day English. I'm trying to put this in the modern-day context. The King James calls them talents. Actually, the King James calls them talents, and a talent 
One talent was worth 71 pounds of gold. So if you put that at the going rate today, and I don't even know, let's just say $1,500, $1,600 an ounce, let's just say that was quite a gift. I mean, in modern-day language, he gave one guy $9 million, another guy $3.6 million, and another guy $1.8 million. Any way you cut that or stack it or whatever, it's a lot of money. He blessed these guys with an amazing gift. They were all blessed. Think of it like this. If you're a Christian, you're not a Christian because you're so good. Have you realized that yet? You're a Christian because he is so good. You're not a Christian because you're so good. You're a Christian because God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to give his life for you to make the biggest investment he could ever make to die on a cross to make us right with him, to forgive us of our sins. So we're not blessed. I don't care how, you, how holy you might think you are. You're not blessed because you're so good. You're blessed because God is so good. And I say one of the most beautiful things about the here and now isn't that one day we're going to get to go spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and our loved ones. I think even greater than that right here and now, we can have joy in knowing that our life doesn't have to be meaningless here. Do you realize that? Your life does not, never was created to be meaningless. God created your life to have meaning, purpose, and value. Extreme value. I said it a minute ago. He invested in your life in an amazing way. In fact, when you got saved, gave your heart to Christ, the Bible says this, that he imparted gifts unto each one of us. Some He gave every one of us at least one. Some he gave more than one gift to be used in the body of Christ. But when you accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit stepped into your life to live forever, he gave us all gifts. And the only thing he's asking us is not to waste it. Not to waste it. Not even to waste our life. So I think... In this text, it's saying we need to get over the then. We need to get over the past so we can deal with a later, but you're never going to have a better later until you make a good decision now. Amen? Good decisions start now for a better later. People always ask me, well, Pastor, how would I ever discover my spiritual gift? I would almost argue and say you're never going to fully discover your spiritual gift until you serve in a local body you serve in the local church somewhere. And God would say, you're too valuable just to sit on the sidelines. You may not think you're valuable at all. God is saying, you're too valuable to sit there and do nothing. God has called every one of us to serve somewhere, somehow, in a body of believers. Years ago, I heard a pastor preach on finding your spiritual gifts, and I wrote down some things. Three things today I want to bring out, and I believe if we would apply these things to our life, I believe And we pray, I believe God would set our hearts on fire for for the gifts that he's put into our lives. The first one might seem strange to you, but it's misery. Misery. What is it that you see in this world that makes you miserable? What is it that you see in this world happening that you step back and say, wait a minute, this is so horrible, it shouldn't be happening. What is it that breaks your heart in a way that you think this has got to stop, something's got to be done about this? A minister was quoted as saying, when you discover your misery, then you've discovered your ministry. When you discover what makes you miserable, then you've discovered your ministry. What is it that breaks the heart of God that also breaks your heart today? How many have ever heard of Christine Kane, this amazing woman of God, this amazing evangelist? Story goes, she was walking through an airport one day on on the way to another evangelistic service. And she saw this wall of pictures of young girls. And she asked someone, who are these girls? What's going on? 
And somebody told her, these are girls that are missing. And most of them are believed to have been sold into uh, sex trafficking, uh, trading over in Eastern Europe. Well, immediately her heart broke for these girls. Immediately she couldn't get it out of her mind, and she determined right there in the airport, something needs to be done about these girls. Something needs to be done about this horrific thing that's happening to them. Instead of me complaining about it, I'm going to step up and do something about it. And she did. She started the A21 campaign dedicated to rescuing girls from uh, the sexual uh, trafficking and helping them to find a local church. In the church, I have to say, sadly, that we've been taught that when you get a burden, take it to the pastor and just walk away. You get a burden on your heart, take it to the pastor, give it to him, you're off the hook. doesn't work that way. Your passion's never going to be my passion. Your burden's never going to be mine, and mine are not going to be yours. If God gave it to you, guess what? He's calling you to do something about it. Yeah, he's calling me to do something about the things he's calling me to, but he's calling you to do the things that he's calling you to do. Your burden's not my burden. Number two, motivation. What motivates you? What motivates you? What do you like doing and what do you love to do? Some people have been taught that the minute you receive Christ and you become a Christian, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. You have to give up everything. You might as well go live in a cave. You can't laugh. You can't have any fun. One day you die, and then things get better. What a happy thought, amen? <laughs> Sounds great, right? No. That's not my Bible. That's not the Bible I read. Even in the invitation the Master gave here, it tells us that that's not the plan of God. The Master says, come share in my joy. Come share in my happiness. And if there wasn't already joy there or happiness, we couldn't come share in it. But God has a storehouse full of joy. God has a store full, a house full of happiness. So what do you love to do? Think about it. And if you don't love to work with kids and children, God's probably not going to call you to work in the nursery, okay? And if you're a techie type of person that knows all there is about computers, he's probably, again, not going to call you to work in the nursery. You've got that little ink pen uh, uh, shirt pocket protector with your ink pens in it. You know where I'm going with this. Anyway, God didn't call you to work in the nursery. He called you to help us with the techie stuff, the techie stuff uh, that goes on with the body of Christ. God wants to stir our gifts. Do you realize that? God wants, actually, he wants us to stir up the gifts. God wants us to stir up the gifts so that he can use them to make us even more of a full body of believers. That we can use the gifts to encourage each other, and they're not limited to this building. You can go out and encourage other people with the gifts God has given you. Number three, if you're still taking notes, realization. Think about this story. How many people did Jesus bless? Three. Now I want you to find yourself in this, in this story. And let me just give you a heads up. You're not the master, okay? We're not the master. You're one of the three. Here's my question about this whole story. Do we know anything about these three guys, their past? Do we know anything about their past? No, we don't know anything at all about their past. We know what happened later. But the master just seemed to show up and bless these guys on the spot. We know about their later. But the master wasn't, to me, obsessed at all with their past. The master, do you know what he was interested in? Their now. He was interested in their decisions they were going to make now, their actions they were going to take right now. And for two out of the three, those actions led to a whole lot better later. Think about that. You know, I believe there are people, and I know even in this room, that you think you have disqualified yourself from doing great things for God because of some past sin in your life, some past major problem in your life. You might say, well, pastor... 
I disqualified myself a long time ago. I've been divorced. Let me just tell you, put your mind at ease. I'd have been disqualified a long, long time ago. Master or, or pastor, I've been sexually active outside of marriage. I've disqualified myself. No, you haven't. I struggle with an addiction. Drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, I've disqualified myself. No, you haven't. And I can't just, I don't just say that with words today. I say it from experience. That just because you messed up in the past doesn't mean that destines your future or decides your future. God is a God that gives you a fresh start if you'll just take it. Amen? That worry about the now, not the later. In this story, it doesn't focus at all on the past, if any. But once they met the master, guess what? The past didn't even matter. What mattered was now and later. That's what became important. Once you've met the master Jesus, guess what? Your sin is paid for. Your sin is paid for. It's washed in the blood of Jesus. The Bible says you become a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christ isn't done with you. I don't care if the devil's been telling you he's done with you. He's not done with you. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God still has a plan for your life. Some people say, well, pastor, how will I know when God's done with me? I'll say it'll be pretty clear. You'll be dead. Amen? You'll already be dead. The second major point is time is limited. How many of you, and let's be honest, how many of you lately have said, man, I'm getting old? I have said that lately. I've realized it more lately. I'm having to wear those little cheaters you buy at Walmart to just study and go over my sermon notes, and, and Cheryl's having to make my printing in a lot bigger notes and font than she used to. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of large print Bibles anymore, amen? Yeah, I'm a little bit in denial yet. I can pull a muscle just getting out of bed, amen? I can pull a hamstring just getting out of bed in the morning. But the truth is, you really start thinking about how brief your life is when the years just seem to fly, fly, fly. Growing up, I heard it from my parents. They said, the older you get, the faster time goes. And isn't that true? I mean, I'm thinking about as the years just seem to fly by. I'm thinking, well, my grandfather's dead. Uh, my, grand, uh, my dad's dead. Uh, I'm next. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, real happy thought, right? No, what I'm trying to get across today is our time is limited. We don't have forever. I don't care who you are or how healthy you are, you don't have forever. I believe that none of us even have the guarantee that we're going to make it home today. I'm just saying time is short. And I believe Job, when all hell was breaking loose in his life, I believe he realized, wait a minute, my time is short. My time is limited. I better use what little bit of time I have left and use it wisely. Listen to what Job says in Job 7, verse 7. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. It's that short. Job 8, verses 8 and 9. Ask the former generation and find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. How many of you remember when you were a kid, it seemed like it took forever for Christmas to get here? And now that you're a parent, you don't even have the bills paid off from last Christmas before Christmas is here again. Our life is but a shadow. Job 10, verse 20. Job says, are not my few days almost over? Job 24, verse 22, but God drags away the mighty by his power. Though they become established, they have no assurance of life. He may let them rest in a feeling of security, but his eyes are on their ways. For a little while they were exalted, and then they are gone. No matter who you are, how wealthy, how famous you are, one day you're going to be gone. How about Steve Jobs? 
had all the money in the world. The founder of Apple and Mac and had all the money in the world. He contracted a disease that all the money in the world couldn't heal, couldn't fix. He's gone. What I'm saying is don't concentrate on the temporary things of this world so much and get your eyes on the eternal side of things. Amen? Get your eyes on the now that will lead to a better later for the glory of God. Are you pursuing something that matters today? I mean, think about it. I'll pick on you guys. Are you focusing more on your fantasy football league than you are your family? or your wife, your marriage, or even your relationship with Jesus. If you go back to Matthew 25, 19, look what it says. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Everybody in this world, everybody on this planet, every person in Illinois, every person in this room, one day we're going to stand before a holy God, and guess what? We're going to be judged. Accounts are going to be settled. Some people say, well, I don't believe in God. I'm not worried about that. You will on that day. Amen. You will absolutely believe in God with all of your heart on that day. I believe we're going to be asked two questions. The first one is a biggie. What did you do with my son? Did you accept Jesus Christ or did you reject Jesus Christ? Second question I believe we're going to be asked is, what did you do with what I blessed you with? What did you do with what I blessed with you, you with? Every one of us are in this story. We're either the five-talent guy, the two-talent guy, or the one guy that buried it. Um, and we won't be able to stand before God on that day and play the victim. Do you realize that? And if you're a Christian, we've already actually moved from victim to victorious. But the big question is, and this story is after, is what are you going to do now? If you're in this room and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what are you going to do with your now? Are you going to receive Christ? And if you've already received Him, yet you've got other areas in your life that you haven't surrendered to Him, how about surrendering those things over to Him right now? And how about deciding to pray right now that I'm going to pray until I find out what makes me miserable? I'm going to pray until I find out that my past doesn't uh, dictate my future. I'm going to pray until I figure out what I enjoy to do and where my giftings are for the glory of God. But until you get to that point... You're not going to be blessed on the level that God wants you to be blessed at because when you get to that point, you're going to hear the same words that those two guys that invested wisely heard from the master, come share in my joy. Come share in my happiness. That's an amazing invitation. I don't think we realize and appreciate the amazing invitation that he gives, come share in my joy. Come share in what I'm all about. And part of that doesn't just have to wait till heaven. That can wait. That can happen right here and now. But the last point is, my life matters. Yours does too. Our lives matter. Psalms 139 says that God fearfully and wonderfully made each one of us. Every person in this room, do you realize you were custom designed by God? Custom made by God with a purpose, for a purpose, and on purpose? Your life matters. With God, all of our lives matter. You know, we all have pet peeves in life, right? One of mine is following a guy that's had his turn signal on for 15 miles down the road. He's going to turn right someday, amen? <laughs> I mean, that's a pet peeve. Another pet peeve is going through Villa Grove, getting stuck by a train, sitting there for a while and thinking, oh boy, it's going, going, it's going backwards. <laughs> pet peeve. Well, believe it or not, Jesus had a pet peeve in this story, and it was with the guy who was blessed that actually wasted his life. I believe Jesus is not only telling this guy that wasted his life, or trying to tell the guy, I believe he's trying to tell us today, hey, I saved you. I redeemed you. 
He said, I've blessed you, I've called you, I've equipped you, I've invested a major investment in you, so stop worrying about the then. Stop worrying about what happened in the past. That may be who you were, but that's not who you are right now. And start dealing with the now. Forget the past, start dealing with the now so that you can have a whole lot better later. Amen? In this story, what brings the master joy? The two guys that that received their blessing and invested it. The two guys that received their blessing and didn't waste their life. The two guys who couldn't do anything about the then, but decided right now, I'm going to surrender to what Jesus wants. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to honor him. And guess what? At the end of the story, these were the two guys that were blessed. Majorly blessed in their life. The fact is, God doesn't want to mess you up. Do you realize that? Some people think God wants to mess you up. I'd say we've done a pretty good job of that without any help from Him. Amen? God does not want to mess you up. He wants to build you up. He wants to shape you up. He wants to encourage you, to clean you up, to become the person that He designed, custom designed you to be before the beginning of time. God designed a plan in your life. Those two guys took Him up on the plan. My question today is, are you going to take Him up on the the plan And it begins with thinking about now, making the right decision now that will lead to the better later. Look what Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. I have people ask me, is there anything that God can't be? Well, right there it says he can't be mocked. He won't be mocked. It also follows up and says a man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. And get this part. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know what brings me joy in my life as a, as a father, as a grandfather? It's when my, my kids and my grandkids are happy. When I hear them laugh, whenever, I remember when Austin was just a little baby. I remember we would make faces at him, and he would start this laugh, and it seemed like it came all the way from down at his toes. I mean, it was a belly laugh, and he would just rip and roar. That brought joy to my heart as an earthly father. And I can just hear God speaking to our hearts today and saying, why do my people have such a hard time believing that I want them to have my joy? Why do my people have such a hard time believing that they can be happy? Why do my people have a hard time and reject my joy, reject my happiness? I thought about that, and the Scripture popped into my mind, Matthew 7, where he talks about us as earthly fathers being imperfect, and we are. But then I thought, as much as it brings my heart gladness and joy to have my children be happy, how much more would a heavenly father want his children to be happy, filled with his joy? If you don't get anything else from this service today, he's after your joy. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let the problems of this world and the problems of this life take your joy away. Why not surrender to the God I'm talking about today? Why not to surrender to this God that wants to fill you with absolutely joy, absolute joy and happiness? And I'm not saying your life is going to be perfect because it's not until we get there. But I believe there's a sustaining joy deep on the inside of you when you're walking hand in hand heart in heart with Jesus Christ every day. And it's something that I will never trade. Something that I can't live without. So this morning, I pray that you'll realize how much God loves you this morning. How much He gave for you. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. 
How about making right decisions now so that you can have a better later? Could you stand to your feet this morning? It's all in today's decision. Father God, I thank you for sending, first of all, Jesus, your son, to die on a cross. I thank you for the investment that you have made for each one of us. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to every heart in this room today. And let me just stop for a minute and ask you, what are you going to do with your now? Think about it. What are you going to do with your now? After hearing a message like this, I hope it's not to make excuses. Will you pursue the things in your life that matter to God? And will you allow God to break your heart for the things that break His heart? Misery, motivation, and realization. I believe if you'll pray through these things all week long, I believe God will lead you into the better later that He has predestined for your life. So, Father God, I pray you'd help us to get our eyes off of the past. No matter what's happened in the past, let it be in the past. Let it be forgotten. And help us get our eyes on the now that you have blessed us with. Father, I pray you'd give us the wisdom, strength, and discipline in our lives to draw closer to you and to your heart. And help us to step into that destiny and the plan that you've provided for our life. Lord, I pray that you would lead us into our later that you would have willed for each one of us from the beginning of time. Let us stop making excuses and let us start making a difference. Father, I pray that that is in everyone's heart today, that we want to make a difference. I want to stop making excuses and I want to make a difference. And if you believe that with me, would you just simply say amen? Amen. Amen.